hello Cherokee County. We recently had the opportunity to sit down with Spencer Nix, the former founding pastor of the local church, Isaac's Keep. Interestingly enough, the church got its name from a combination of Dungeons and Dragons and the biblical story of Isaac and Abraham. Mr. Nix tells us this story today and coincidentally how he went from preaching to the CEO of Reformation Brewery. I'm Rachel Reagan and you are listening to Neighbors and Wanderers. introvert to give them, you know, a physical (laughs) blockage. That's what beer's for. Okay, so we know you already as the CEO Mm -hmm. of the brewery and also as a former pastor. What is it that we don't know about you? Uh, A lot of people don't know that um, I really love the North Georgia culture and outdoor um, vibe that's going on in our community. Um, Really uh, got involved in, in doing that through college. I graduated from North Georgia College up in Dahlonega and uh, fell in love with all things North Georgia then. And uh, today I try to mountain bike two to three times a week, trying to uh, hike as many miles as I can with my family on the weekends. So just love being outdoors. That's one thing people don't often associate with somebody who, you know, they just think I drink beer all the time. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> the culture, the conversations that happen around beer. We're trying to celebrate the experience around why we drink beer. I'm Spencer Nix. We're Reformation Brewery, and we can't wait to open at the Mill on Etowah. <laughs> so we're opening Etowah a new location, right? Yes, yes, that's um, where I just got back from. Uh, we are uh, opening a new location up in Canton, Georgia. Um, this is in the process of being redeveloped. It's the original cotton mill um, in Canton. Um, it was known for producing some of the highest quality denim in the country. Uh, that mill uh, started to um, to deteriorate when every all the other factory jobs in America were being shipped out to other places. So went the uh, the mill in Canton, but now it's finally being redeveloped into a kind of a mixed use. Uh, it's going to have lots of retail, uh, restaurants. Uh, the brewery is going to be kind of an anchor tenant there. And then eventually uh, some, some hopefully residential housing options around there as well. So uh, it's really, I think, becoming a, a key part of Canton's future and, and where they want to and where they want to go as a community as well. We want to elevate the good gift of beer. Beer culture has for far too long been dominated by the lowest common denominator. What you see on TV commercials, it's always just the most debased kind of, you know, culture. And we said, this is a real, this real opportunity to make something new. And that's what we're seeking to it's do. It's a continuing expansion of what we, you know, why we exist. It's why we built this spot to become more uh, entrenched in, into our community. And now it's time to start exporting that out just a, a little bit at a time. So we're going up a few X's, going to try it in Canton. But also we needed the additional production space. Our production facility uh, still located here uh, about a mile away from, from this brewery uh, is running out, of, running out of space. So we, we needed to find a location. And this opportunity was really a unicorn opportunity. The developer came to us and uh, wanted us to, to locate in his in his development. And uh, that took about a year, but um, it's gonna be three times the amount of production space that we currently have. So it'll, it'll serve for our long-term uh, goals and needs. How many beers do you currently make? 
Oh dang, that's that's, that's I don't even know. <laughs> um, especially now with the research and development, um, we're releasing a beer to two beers a week, and uh, we have uh, anchor beers that are out in the market year round. Uh, beers like Cadence, Hattie, Jude, Nolan, uh, the Wanderer, Orin. Uh, and Stark, and even uh, Declaration. These are these are year-round brands um, that have been out in the market for for a few years now. But Cadence was our first beer to ev- that we ever released to market. Still, I guess if you had to have a flagship, it would be it. Where do you come up with the names? Yeah, it's uh, it's now become more of a of a collaborative effort with our team. Um, originally, it was it was me, and then I brought my brother, who's our CMO, in to help me with that process. And uh, over the years, as we've scaled, um, so has that um, that process. But it's a team effort at this point. I saw you just did resilience. Yes, yes. So that who was, came up with that one? Yeah, resilience was actually a beer we um, we we were able to participate in with the uh, wildfires out in California. Uh, Sierra Nevada put together a recipe and asked breweries to brew the beer and to all the proceeds of that beer to go to a fund to help uh, the victims of the wildfire. And so we were honored and privileged to take part in that. And um, we uh, actually just sold out of it. So it's, it's gone and we'll be writing a check to that fund here next few weeks. So it's it was really a, a fundraising uh, project. The the whole industry, the whole craft beer industry, is very much connected to each other. We all feel like we're in this together, and um, I think that was just a good example of the community coming together across our industry. So how did you go from knowing nothing about this to yeah. how did you start to get to here? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I would say it goes back to just my. I don't know if it's genetic or not. I often say I'd, 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 I would not know how to go to a regular nine to five job. I've always been entrepreneurial, um, an adventurer of sorts. And um, it, it came about really organically and naturally. And it seems weird because what I formerly did and what I do now seems so foreign to, to so many people. But really, it was just a, a really natural organic flow process that got me into brewing, into, into doing what I do today. Okay. In your blog, you talked about... Oh, no, uh, you, you read my blog. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All the way <laughs> From back. From when? <laughs> um, your 19th anniversary, I think. Okay. As that far wasn't back too as bad. it went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as far back before I had to click more. Yeah. You talk about living an analog life and yep. what was it? Desensationalizing from social media. Mm-hmm. How do you do that within, the, within your personal life and within your business life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, you know, I think the the art of the conversation is its own, if it's not dead, it's on life support. Um, struggling uh, to have face-to-face conversations like we're having right now, uh, they just exist less and less in our world. And I'm concerned about that overall. Um, so opportunities to have, um, I love to be a conversationalist. I'm hoping to become a better one as I grow older, but I really enjoy these interactions far more than what you see on social media. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times I would prefer not to be on social media, um, but um, I mean, it's a tool that can hopefully 
uh, be leveraged one day to connect us more to these kind of conversations. So um, in our business model, um, you'll see we, we are always celebrating moments and we want to um, draw attention to those moments. And a lot of them around beer are analog. I often say beer is the first, first social media. It sat down two people uh, around a social atmosphere to have a conversation. And that's really at the core of, of what we're trying to do. And um, uh, we have these games, uh, weekly gaming, that when that partnership opportunity arose, we're like, it's perfect. It's again, anytime you can get two people to sit across from each other, um, a conversation is probably going to happen. And we need more of those today. Yep. Okay, so what's your favorite game? Oh man, uh, we are playing, we played a ton of Secret Hitler over the holidays, actually played it <laughs> last night with some friends uh, that were hanging out. Um, my kids love exploding kittens, um, which is, which is, is weird and a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, all time favorite game is probably Dungeons and Dragons. Um, don't get to play it as much as I used to. Um, getting my kids into it now, though, so I'm starting to play more and more. Uh, but my brother and I, we grew up in that in that era of the '80s when that game was was really kind of the underground nerdy kid game, and we were we were we were kind of nerdy, so we we played that a lot, and still still our favorite. When we have our holiday get-togethers, that's what we're playing. We're still we're still playing it with each other and trying to teach our kids. Okay, are you dungeon master or do you create your characters? No, my brother's the dungeon master. I create characters to drive him nuts and to <laughs> Does it spoil work? his plans. <laughs> yes, it works every time. <laughs> are you competitive when you play? Absolutely. Um, especially with, with my brother, we are sometimes probably too competitive. <laughs> um, but there's just enough age difference that um, we're always trying to, to, to one-up each other and, and beat each other. So, yeah, it's always fun. Oh, I don't know if that's age difference. That's just, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, true. I have eight siblings and we all do the same thing. So. Very true. I see that in my children as well. Cherokee County is filled to the brim with entrepreneurs who care deeply about their products, their service, and their people. That's why East Main Cafe operates in the heart of historic downtown Canton at 210 East Main Street. Britt Rose maintains a family-friendly environment that has all the charm of the perfect coffee shop with a modern twist, where you can sit and watch the game, or you can join the betting pool on how many people drive the wrong way on the one-way street that day. Teas, pastries, cold brews, and the lounge space from a simple contemporary 21st century. Visit East Main Cafe, where you will be met with excellent brews for a quick pick-me-up made with Copan coffee beans, enjoy tales from Brit and his exotic travels, and a cup of coffee that will make you feel right at home. Where did you get the name Reformation? What is it mm -hmm. that makes that name? Yeah. Yeah, I tell this story a lot, so I want to try to make it, it, it sound fresh for your audience. Um, <laughs> we really um, right, started we Reformation Brewery uh, around um, Nick and I drinking beers on his front porch, having conversation. It really started about 15 years ago when I met this guy named Nick Downs. He was a Yankee, moved down from Connecticut. He was flying airplanes all over the, all over the, uh, really all over Europe, and we uh, started a relationship. And uh, he would bring back these excellent beers from, from the places he was flying. And, um, and we, uh, he got bumped up to a bigger airplane. He wasn't flying to Europe anymore. From there, he uh, got bumped up to a larger plane, and out went the the great European beers. And so we decided, well, let's just try to make it ourselves. And that started a journey of about 
I don't know, three or four years into into he home. first got into beer, those beers he was bringing home from Europe. And that's where our relationship um, really developed around that time together. And um, we would always end up talking um, because he and I at that in that chapter of our lives, um, we had both been to seminary. Uh, I was starting into ministry, and he was—he um, had just come back from Cambodia as a missionary for two years. And so we would talk about a lot of the stuff we had experienced together. But after a few beers, it always went to theology, church history, because that's where those kind of nerds. And we would end up talking about um, the history and the theology around the Protestant Reformation. And uh, when we started homebrewing— um, we we're like, well, what are we going to call this homebrew we're making? And we're like, well, let's just call it what we always end up talking about anyway, the Reformation. Now, this was when way, way back in homebrewing days, we had no idea that, you know, this would ever develop into a business one day. But as it grew organically and people were coming up, enjoying the experience in the beer, we saw more than more of a reformation bigger than we had were thinking and um i think it's become just uh something that anybody can identify with i think there's a reformer in all of us um we all want to reform something either about ourselves about our communities about our culture society and so um beer's a great tool for that and we want to be that champion for for people who who are reformers so do you think you've been successful with that so far? Oh, yeah. I, I, um, I, I think we, you know, when you step back um, five years into this and you see uh, some of what has happened, not only in our community, but in our individual lives, it's, it's definitely, we've definitely all experienced reform. But in, in another way, it feels like we're just getting started. Um, I think we have um, a really great team. Um, I'm not saying that because they're sitting over there. Uh, a great <laughs> team of reformers who who really care deeply about what we're trying to do, and it's more than just a, a job for them. And um, I think that is contagious within your culture, within your community, that it empowers everyone and encourages everyone to, to get up and, and do better today, to reform something. Every day has an opportunity for reformation. Now, you said going into ministry, you started Isaac's Keep, right? Correct. Where'd you get that name? <laughs> uh, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Isaac, Isaac in, um, in obviously in, the, in, the, in Hebrew, is uh, Abraham's son mm-hmm. and um, basically the father of, the, of Judaism. But, yeah, we, we're playing off the <laughs> promise that was made to Isaac, and a keep is a, is a strong fortress, a tower. And as a church plant, we were, we were seeking to be keepers of the promise. And that's, uh, that's the kind of the community we built, which Reformation came out of. Nick went to Cambodia as a missionary. I know you went to Haiti. Was that a missionary trip, or is that just? Yeah, I had to have a few jobs in ministry because ministry pays a lot, like owning a brewery, not very much. Yep. Um, so I had multiple jobs, and um, I was directing a nonprofit as well as being a pastor of a church. And uh, part of that nonprofit work was um, working with a lot of uh, Latino communities, and one of those being the island of Hispaniola, which is Dominican Republic in Haiti, and doing a lot of work in the Dominican Republic and had really um, good relationships there. I know you met a few people over there, um, one in particular, Moses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an emotional story, to say the least. Um, yeah, we uh, met Moses. We were uh, three days after the earthquake. It was still um, just devastating. Um what you could imagine and um 
we were unearthing um, some orphanages that had collapsed in Haiti. And um, Moses was one of the, the children, uh, actual infant, uh, that survived. But uh, he was not survived by anyone else in his family. Um, and uh, we asked, we were trying to get his name, trying to get his story, trying to get him connected to extended family. And we learned that his name was Moses, and uh, which was, you know, somewhat... Um, if there's anything Haiti needs is a is a leader and leadership and somebody to take them from uh, the wilderness they are in and into a promised land. And uh, so Moses became um, an inspiration uh, to our work there, uh, but also someone we uh, prayed a lot for to one day uh, rise and lead his people. Awesome. Yep. Now, how does your situation in Haiti influence what you're doing here? Yeah, well, Haiti, I've, I say it was like the my second awakening as a, uh, an adult. It um, opened my eyes to uh, a new perspective on the world. Um, um, in a lot of ways, it, it freed me from some of the narratives that I think we are stuck in as Americans um, and in our culture. We have, we have uh, issues, no doubt, and they're serious, but um, my time in Haiti and my work in Haiti showed me um, that you know, a lot of our problems are, are, are very small compared to, to what these people are fighting uh, for survival uh, every day. So just perspective, I would say um, it freed me from being, I think, trapped into some of some of the, the perspectives we are trapped in as as Westerners and Americans that have a lot of privilege. I know you faced some ostracism and criticism from the church when you opened a brewery. On the flip side, do you have people who have boycotted or have received resistance from people who yeah i mean i i i think that story really wants to be written but it, it it's just not been true we like to say you know celebrate the moment we say that a lot as a brand showing people that you can enjoy the gift without abusing a gift is a value that goes beyond far beyond beer um, we have I've actually faced very very little criticism um, from either the the far religious right or the very progressive left. Um, uh, I think there's been more encouragement from all sides than there has been criticism. Now, of course, there's the occasional you know um, uh, how will I say this kindly uh, customer <laughs> guest. That, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps, you know, learns about my story. And again, it's really hard sometimes as the CEO to separate my story from the business. Um, our business is not, it's, I mean, there's different views and perspectives and beliefs across our managing partners, across the partnership of our brewery, across the employees and staff and crew. We all have different stories and different perspectives. Um, but as the CEO, I get sometimes my story is the one that gets attached to to the brewery's story um but overall it's been it's been i've been encouraged by the lack of controversy uh that i was expecting um and and was prepared for honestly i'm still kind of mad i'm not i've not gotten to use all my arguments but uh <laughs> especially with the religious strike because i was really prepared for that one but it, it really hasn't been been that bad i mean i know some people if you really want to use them <laughs> <laughs> that's all right i'm good <laughs> They want to come in and have a beer. Those, and that's what I try to do is, you know, if I'm facing criticism or I feel like it's coming, I, I want to sit down with them. It doesn't have to be with a beer. If that's their thing, we can go do coffee. But I found just having a face-to-face conversation over, you know, um, an email thread or chain, um, 
is much much better <laughs> yes. it's easier to resolve your issues <laughs> oh yeah tone can't be mistaken face to face that's right is there anything else that we don't know about you that we should? No, I think I think we've had a pretty pretty wide conversation. <laughs> um, just um, we really appreciate um, the community that has supported Reformation Brewery um, to help us set beer free. Uh, we are excited about uh, the Canton project and uh, look forward to many more years. Joseph, our producer, had a chance to further explore the experience at Reformation with one of the most familiar faces, outside of Spencer himself, trivia host Joshua Lee Robinson. One of the brewery's most popular events occurs once per week, and is hosted by Josh Robinson, graduate of Reinhardt College with a degree in musical theater, a teacher at the Montessori School in Cumming, Georgia, and a director of various local community plays. But most of all, a personality and a league of his own. Well, first of all, thank you for joining me. I know this is kind of impromptu, and you've, have you ever done anything like this before? <laughs> I've done a couple of radio interviews, but nothing in a podcast setting. Well, we found you because you are known for your trivia nights at Reformation Brewery. That's right. We got trivia every single Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It's a good time. So tell me about how you sort of fell into that, because Reformation of all places, being a brewery, you wouldn't expect it to have a, a you know, I guess a, uh, a reputation for its trivia nights, but you've, you've created that. I actually got started doing trivia for a company for a little while right out of college. And um, so I was doing that and I was making a little money here and there. It was a fun little, little gig on the side. And then um, I stopped doing it because it just became too much. I was doing so much other stuff. Um, but I was working with Elm Street, the uh, theater in Woodstock, and we were I was on an improv troupe with them, and they do something called Brouhaha on Thursday nights. It's the third Thursday, and it's kind of evolved into something different now, but at the time, we would go into the brewery and give tours of the brewery where we would make everything up. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Yeah, so it'd be like, oh, this machine over here, the, we milk cows that make beer and blah, whatever. And it was funny, and we'd have a good time, but there was always a theme involved. So, like, one brouhaha was karaoke night, and one night was trivia. And when it became trivia night, I was like, I can do it. So I did the the one night there at Reformation for brouhaha. And then Sean, who's the, uh, who, who was the keeping room manager, I think she's moved up since then, uh, was like, that was so much fun. Do you have a card? And I went, uh, yeah, but I don't have one with me. <laughs> Which was a lie. So then I went home and I was like, I gotta get cards. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, so I got some cards made. And I went back and I was like, here's here's that card you're looking for. Yeah. And um, anyway, so that was like August and at the beginning of the year in January, I started up uh, doing it once a month for Reformation, mm-hmm. and um, it was it was a very popular thing. It was their teacher night. You know, teachers got like half price for the for their beers, and this was also when um reformation did uh what are they called the tours mm-hmm. so you couldn't just buy beer right um so that's why i was once a month but as soon as they started up you you being able to buy a beer i've been mm-hmm. there every single wednesday for a little over two years now and yeah. it's blown up i mean we don't have less than 15 teams and there were nights in mm-hmm. the beginning where it was like three teams 
Wow. Uh. <laughs> and uh, for those that don't know, the, the tours were a way for people to come in, explore Reformation or any brewery for that matter. And you, effectively, you would buy a ticket, right? Right, yeah. And um, because in, in Georgia, you weren't allowed to buy beer from a brewery. And would you consider it when you go, when uh, someone comes to, for Trivia Night? You're putting on effectively a performance. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little more hype than uh, my average self mm-hmm. when I get there, um, and I've got my same spiel. It, it comes out like like nothing now because I've been what's doing it for spiel? so long. Well, what's going on, everybody? It's trivia night here at Reformation Brewery. We got some trivia going on. If you want to play, come on up, grab your supplies. We're going to get started in about 15 minutes. Third place is going home with a six-pack of beer. Second place is going home with a $15 gift card and a six-pack of beer. And first place is going home with a $25 gift card and a six-pack of beer. So if you want to play, come on up, grab your supplies. Like I said, we're going to get started in about 15 minutes. What is one thing you want people to know about Reformation Brewery or um, Trivia Night or anything that goes on at the brewery? What is one thing you would want them to know about their uh, about the experience? Uh, I feel like when you hear the word brewery, you automatically think adults and 21 and over, but it's such a family-friendly place. Um, other than Chuck E. Cheese, I don't know if I've ever seen more kids running around one place. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a very cool experience. Uh, yeah, the kids are welcome, and they have just as good of a time as their parents do most of the time. So that's 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 number one. They're really big about family. Is there anything else you want to throw out there just for people that either go to Reformation or people who haven't been? Uh, if you're a beer drinker in general, but you've never been into the craft beer, I'm telling you, it's better. I didn't know. I wasn't a craft beer drinker at all. I don't think I'd ever had a craft beer before, unless you count Yingling, which you shouldn't. <laughs> Uh, until I started coming to Reformation, and it has completely changed my life. What surprised me most about my conversation with Josh was the fact that we barely talked about the beer. In fact, it never even came up. Beer never came up because it's never really been about the beer. It's about the people. As you can see, Spencer has reformed his surrounding community everywhere he goes. He joined us for the interview in jeans, a ball cap, and a hoodie with the company logo on the front. It was immediately clear that he had zero expectations for our conversation, and I believe Reformation Brewery is an extension of himself. A true reformation of our community and our expectations of craft beer are exactly what you will find at Reformation Brewery. This podcast is produced by Bookshop Media, and you can find us on iTunes and our host site, bookshopmedia.com, or wherever your podcasts are found. If you have a lead to an interesting story to share, please visit bookshopmedia.com to submit your story.